0: What's my pet peeve? Messy cat litter. Those furry little pads turn into cat litter super spreaders, leaving the already-been-used litter scattered across the floor for your bare feet to discover. The solution? World's Best Cat Litter's new load-tracking and dust control. It's quick clumping, made from corn so it doesn't stick to paws like clay, and specially formulated to stay where it belongs, in the box. Switch to World's Best Cat Litter for a happier, less littered home.
1: Welcome back to the x everyone. I am Rob McConnell. We're coming to you live and around the world from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, on the Mutual Broadcast Network, on the Talkstar Radio Network, on the x Broadcast Network, and the all-new IPBN Radio Network. If you'd like to send me an email, I love getting your emails, even from those of you who have that tinfoil on a little bit too tight. Xzone at X-Zone radio tv.com on all social media sites xzone radio tv and our website www.xzoneradio.com. By the way, if you like the music we play in between uh, segments, that music is from our all new 724 365 music channel ipbnmusic.com. That's ipbnmusic.com. We only have commercials once an hour. The rest of the hour is non-stop new age music, native music, music to help you inspire yourself, music to relax. Just give it a listen and there's an email address on the site. Tell us what you think about the music and that's at www.ipbnmusic.com. Exonation. my guest this hour, is going to be talking about UFOs. David Campione is my special guest. He is with Spacious Sky Productions in uh, Florida. David's career has been in photography, freelance and commercial, as well as industrial studio and location for over 37 years. Just recently, he went into the world of digital single-lens reflex camera, a far different venue from the 4x5 view camera he used for many years. He has an associate degree in business administration, studied at a uh, Ansel Adams photographic workshop for black and white photography for larger view camera photography only in 1975. He was a, f- a forensic photographer for the prosecutor's office for nearly seven years. Joining me now to talk about those things in the sky. What are they? How can we get a better understanding of what they are? And what is a forensic photographer's take on UFOs? Joining me now is David Campione. And David, always great having you on the show. How are you? Good, sir.
3: I'm doing great, Rob. Can you hear me?
1: I can hear you, just as if you're in the next studio.
3: Okay. Well, actually, I'm not.
1: (laughs) No, you're, you're a long way from here in beautiful, sunny Florida, the sunshine state.
3: Yeah, very hot, sunny Florida. Yeah. <clears throat> I didn't think I was going to be on tonight. It's a major storms go through, but uh, we uh, our, our power held out. So.
1: It, you know, uh, Memorial Weekend was last weekend, and you spent four years in the United States Coast Guard, and yes. you also did a tour in Vietnam. So thank you, sir, for your service.
3: Thank you. Appreciate it.
1: David, for the listeners who may not have had the the uh, the advantage of hearing you the last time you were on with us talking about UFOs, can you tell them a little bit about yourself and what the connection to UFOs is?
3: Yeah, I uh, I was very uh, I from now my perspective at this age uh, I I was very fortunate. Uh, my father started uh, researching flying saucers right after the. Uh, Kenneth Arnold uh, uh, reporting back in, I think it was 1947, so I've grown up with this, and and in the Philadelphia and the Southern New Jersey area, Mm -hmm. uh, my dad became like the expert in that area, even though he worked in a factory in the evenings, he he was getting uh, media coverage at the local TV stations and the the, uh, talk radio stations, and um, whenever somebody had a... A sighting, they would call a radio station, and they said, "Well, call Mike, my father, Michael Campione." And he, uh, over probably thirty years, he probably took f- ten to fifteen thousand sighting reports as a, as an individual, not even as an organization, just by himself to learn what was going on, and, and uh, uh, he compiled a, a lot of information. Mm-hmm. Remarkable UFO sightings in the Philadelphia and southern New Jersey area, which is compromised, which they called the Delaware Valley or Delville. They shortened it. And uh, through the 60s and the early 70s, there was so much activity. I think that was the most activity of flying saucers in that delval area which is philadelphia in southern new jersey anywhere in the world david Any- we're,
1: david we're gonna to have to have a little bit of a cliffhanger here because i have to take my first break please stand okay. by great talking to you Exo nation david Campion is our special guest we're talking about ufos this hour and david and i will be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the Exon from our broadcast center in hamilton ontario canada
2: Don't wait. Visit Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Locally owned Fantasies Lingerie and More offers a great selection of lingerie and adult items. For that perfect gift, visit them at 6111 John Harden Drive. For hours and directions, call 501-241-2777. That's 501-241-2777. We hope to see you soon at Fantasy's Lingerie & More. Fantasy's Lingerie & More honors the American military and first responders who made the ultimate sacrifice for our country. Mention this ad in store for 5% off your entire purchase.
1: Welcome back, everyone. David Campiona is my very special guest of this hour. David has been a good friend to the Exona and a guest over the years. His website is www.spacioussky.com. That's www.spacioussky.com. All right, David, I'm sorry I had to cut you off there. You were telling us about way back in the day your dad was the go-to whenever there was a UFO sighting.
3: Absolutely, and in the, the Valley, Delaware Valley, Philadelphia, mm-hmm. Southern New Jersey area.
1: Were there, and and you said there were a lot of UFO sightings in that part of the in that part of the United States.
3: Yeah, all his uh, all his research with uh, and the um, the information he took from the witnesses of reporting the specific craft or their actual contact, mm-hmm. he he estimated over a hundred and fifty, maybe one hundred and fifty-five different visitors at et's in that area wow in in 30 years that's a lot
1: it it certainly is it (laughs) certainly is tell me david you've been doing this a number of years you've been carrying on your dad's proud tradition you know why do you think that there are so many sightings and yet people still don't believe
3: yeah, well, I think everybody's waiting, waiting for the uh, news media or the government, or they, or they just go and watch. I mean, if you look at, if, I mean, I love Star Wars. I think it's a phenomenal thing. But if you look at the people on there, would you want to contact one of those or be mm-hmm. in touch with one? I mean, no one. They not. have the reptilians and the bloodsuckers, mm-hmm. and it just goes on and on and on. So I think mm-hmm. it's a, I personally think it's a huge, huge conspiracy against the people who say they see. Things. And then that yeah. started with the CIA, and uh, it's always been the CIA, actually, Rob, because they only dealt with the information or, or the people reported because it dealt with extraterrestrial and non-terrestrial to this continental United States was the FBI territory. Now, yeah. everything's been changing lately. So, uh, having done some work with the uh, uh, some through some CIA stuff, the information that they had given to me many years ago, uh, films that I would view, I would photograph individually and, and take as they called it. They had a specific word, uh, Rob, and your listeners. They called it artifact.
1: Artifacts.
3: Artifact. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> i mean i i used to go around and around with some of these people because uh-huh. i haven't seen 13 in my lifetime uh et or ufos mm-hmm. or never met anybody personally that i know of but you know you meet some strange people and you meet some wonderful people so you have to wait wait each situation <laughs> um and they and i used to we used to rattle our brains and bat heads over over the craft that i saw or even the ones that i presented to them in a in the uh, in the color slide presentation that my father had put together, and I took it over and uh, started showing it around. But we, you know, it's really really phenomenal, Rob. Uh, two things that actually uh, were strange in my life in 1956. There were six of us leaving. We left the the ba- left the church where the Boy Scouts uh, used to meet. And We were walking home it was in Philadelphia in the far northeast on Frankfurt Avenue around Ron Street and we were just in the middle of the Frankfurt Avenue bridge looking east and the Pennypack Creek was running underneath and we kicked some rocks in today we were kids we it's 1956 like 12 years old and we saw the most phenomenal space thing zoom across the sky we estimated to be 300 feet in diameter and we were at least, two miles away from this thing. And we saw the bottom side of this spacecraft which I found out years later I don't know how true it is through a, uh, a channel uh, not a psychic but a channeler that said that this particular craft that we saw when we were young men was from Alpha Centauri. So, And then that just progressed to my, it just seems like I—I I noticed more. I was, my dad always told me before I went into service. He said never mention flying saucers. Well, I saw—I saw quite a few of them. I was in the service, so it was, and there were other people that saw them up in Maine. We saw some interesting ones up there in Maine at time. Well, why do you think? Why
1: do you think, David? The governments of the world are keeping the this truth away from the people. What what would it change if these if these craft have been in our skies for so long? Like, let's just go back to Roswell, nineteen forty seven, Kenneth Arnold, nineteen forty seven. If and since then millions of people have claimed to see these craft. Number of people claim to have been abducted and taken aboard these craft. Some of the people claim that they've had fetuses removed from them. By these people, and the list goes on and on and on. Why, in your opinion, based on the experience and I'm sure the conversations that you had with your dad, why do you think that there is this conspiracy to keep the truth away from the people?
3: Well, because it, <clears throat> the people wouldn't wouldn't put up with the with the crap that we we deal with this uh, in this environment here. I mean, just look at the. The political structure that's going on in the United States right now for the uh, presidential election this year—it's like it's like a good and evil battle. Hey, yeah, I've got, but I've got to tell
1: you something, my good friend.
3: It beats the O.J. Simpson trial to hell. <laughs>
1: like it is the best docudrama <laughs> I've ever watched on TV. Like you've got Clinton, you've got Sanders, you've got Trump, and now you've got these two bozos from the Libertarian Party. And I, I killed myself laughing the other night, the other day. Here's the presidential hopeful from the Libertarian Party. He's wearing a suit,
3: and he's wearing
1: running shoes.
3: <laughs> like this just, it can't get any better. I know, I know. The fact they were trying to trying to hook Hillary up. I get some uh, newsletters uh, <laughs> that they're trying to get Hillary involved with the UFO community, and God, that's really scary, unless it's really the, the sinister ones. But... Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I just I just don't think I mean, when you look also look at um, what the Vatican has done, they, they set up, they, they confiscated land in Arizona and they're trying to make contact. I mean, what is going on here? Uh, my my personal opinion, is yeah. they don't they don't want you to be uh, in in contact with them, and as you well know, Rob. And I know your listeners probably don't know this back then. I think it was 1969. Mm-hmm. Uh, NASA had petitioned the United States Congress for the uh, for the contact of alien beings. Yeah and uh, it's it's been it, it ran its course and it stopped in the early 90s. It doesn't exist supposedly. but why why would somebody do this? I mean they said, well, it's biological thing. I don't know. I just I just do not know why they would why they would come up with something like this.
1: You know the earlier today, I I went home, left the office. I had a massive headache, so I decided to go home. and And my wife made me a beautiful lunch. She always takes good care of me. Wonderful. And she said, "Let me turn on the TV." And I, I very rarely watch TV during the day, except the the news channels. Mm-hmm. But there was a there was a documentary on, I believe it was the National Geographic Channel, about the Battle of of los angeles going back to february the 24th 25th of 1949 oh. where where all where the um, the gun batteries on the pacific coast were expecting a an invasion force from japan after what had happened in pearl harbor oh. and the gunners were given the authority to shoot at will and they started shooting at something that was caught in the, the searchlights they were using. And many people saw a UFO. And other people reported that there were smaller UFOs leaving the large UFO as if they were scout ships. Now, nobody can say for sure or has said for sure that this was in fact a UFO now according to some of the witnesses the artillery shells actually hit this this thing and just kind of bounced off (laughs) Uh, you know so when you hear this from multiple witnesses front page news uh, you add it with well with what we know about Kenneth Arnold we add it. well I'm I'm not going to throw Roswell in there because I really don't think Roswell was the big case it was but with the with the with the Sonora sighting and the Aztec sightings, something is out there, and wouldn't it be better for the government to let the people know? Number one, if it is experimental craft, especially at this time, you know, look, yeah. all these years later, to say, you know what, we had to maintain secrecy because we had just finished World War II, we were looking at a Cold War with the with the Soviet Union. Right. We couldn't let you guys know what we were really doing.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, one of the, one of the things I, I think it'll back up what you're just talking about on mm-hmm. that, and their, and their secrecy, and I don't know how it really ties in, but uh, in my in my UFO uh, spacecraft identification manual, I, I think one of the most one of the more fascinating incidents was the uh, the couple the two couples that were driving in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, heading to a hospital to visit with some to visit somebody that they knew was in there, who was ill. And when they looked, it was near the Cherry Hill, New Jersey mall, and mm-hmm. they looked at, at the RCA building, which was, I believe, on uh, would have been on uh, the south side, I believe, of the highway, of highway uh, I think it was 38. And there's an RCA building with a flat-top roof, and they estimated it's craft sitting on its roof, 400 feet long, just sitting with a gangplank. Well, they yeah. saw the gangplank when they came back to the hospital. His craft was still there. There were accidents, it was, everything was all covered up. But there was this this gangplank that was going down to the flat roof of this RCA building. Now, we all know Radio Corporation of America, they're, they're electronics inventors. <laughs> so, so who knows what they were doing? And, exactly. You know, and what they were giving them, if there was actually an extraterrestrial, but a four hundred foot long spaceship.
1: But how come only four people saw it?
3: Oh no, no, there were more. Oh really? I'm saying there were more because yeah. there was the the truck driver. He he wrecked his car, <laughs> and he he had the accident, and the and a New Jersey state trooper came immediately right. within within a minute, and he never even had to call it in. Of course, they didn't have nine I don't think they had nine one one back in those yeah. days, and. Um, they took his car to a... They told him, don't worry about it. The, the state trooper took him to the hospital to get checked out, and then he took him home. He said, what about my vehicle? And uh, he said, don't worry about it. And they came back the next day, and uh, he said, well, he said, what happened to my car again? He kept on asking his trooper. So the state trooper mm-hmm. took him to his auto body shop. and His car was, like, brand new. When he picked it up, they, they fixed the damage. They repainted the whole vehicle. It was all fixed Unreal. up.
1: Hey, David. Stand by, my friend. You and I have to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. Exxon Nation. David Campione is our very special guest. www.spacioussky.com And um, stranger things have happened. I, I'll tell you that much. When we come back, I'll, uh, we'll discuss a little bit about the Battle of Los Angeles. And a lot more with our very special guest, David Campione. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. Whatever you do, don't go away. We'll be back after this news break. And welcome back, everyone. This is The x I am Rob McConnell. Don't forget, following The x every night, Monday through Friday, is Jeremy Scott with Dark 30. A great show, a great guy. I've had the pleasure of talking to Jeremy a number of times, listening to a show. Don't miss it. And then on the weekends, The Science of Magic with Guilda Wiaka on the Mutual Broadcast Network for all the information about the Mutual Broadcast Network and its scheduling, as well as when you can listen to Alex Jones. Visit the Mutual Broadcast Network website at www.mutualbroadcast.com The Battle of Los Angeles was also known as the Great Los Angeles Air Raid. It is the name given by contemporary sources to the rumored enemy attack and subsequent anti-aircraft artillery barrage which took place from late 24th of February to early 25th February 1942 over Los Angeles, California. The incident occurred less than three months after the United States entered World War II as a result of the Japanese Imperial Navy's attack on Pearl Harbor and one day after the bombardment of Elwood on 23rd February. Initially, the target of the aerial barrage was thought to be an attacking air force from Japan. But uh, speaking at press conferences shortly afterwards, Secretary of the Navy Frank Knox called the incident a false alarm Newspapers of the time published a number of reports and speculations of a cover-up. Now, some contemporary ufologists and conspiracy theorists have suggested the targets were extraterrestrial spacecraft. When documenting the incident in 1949, the United States Coast Guard Auxiliary Association identified a meteorological balloon set, uh, sent up at 1 a.m. that started all the shooting and concluded that once the firing started, imagina- imaginations created all kinds of targets in the sky, and everyone joined in. In 1983, the U.S. Office of Air Force History attributed the event to a cause of war nerves, triggered by a lost weather balloon, and, ex- uh, and by you know that was exacerbated by starry flares and shell bursts from adjoining batteries. Now, le- doesn't this seem a little familiar, like? We've got balloons, weather balloons, being claimed to be the target. D- didn't that happen in Roswell, New Mexico, uh, David?
3: Yeah, I believe that's exactly what they said happened. You know, it just—it's just funny. It's always—it's uh, either weather balloons or the uh, uh, or swamp gas <laughs> up there. You know, you see, this is the problem of yeah. people come forth with something that is actual, or or if there was actual military people who were firing them and um, on these craft and, and then they're coming out with information. They're saying it's a weather balloon like they're crazy. Well, these guys in the military are trained. Mm. They're extremely well trained to observe and to see what kind of craft. If you see something totally unusual, you consider yourself to be under attack. And naturally, you're going to fire your artillery.
1: You know, but when we talk about weather balloons, when we talk about blimps, whatever, you know, nobody ever mentions the Fugos. Do you, you've heard of those, haven't you, David?
3: Uh, just the, no, I heard of the Foo Fighters, but with the Foo's... Okay,
1: the Fugos. Now, this is very interesting, and, and I've talked about this many times when I've gone out and done speaking lectures, and people look at me as if I have three heads. And then what they do is they go home and they do their research, and they say, well, how come nobody ever talks about these? Yeah. I'll just give you a little bit. Uh, a Fugo is um, a Japanese World War II weapon uh, that we're... For small unmanned uh, festive hot air balloons that would, they they realized where the where the currents were in the sky, the jet stream, and what they would do there's a certain part of Japan where they would actually launch these fugos, and as the fugo would be going along, it would drop a sandbag to increase its elevate its altitude, and this would happen all the way across the Pacific, and people say, well, n- nothing like that ever happened. Well, they did because there were actually people in the United States who were killed by Fugos, you know, and they were they in in what in the state of Washington, uh, the Falkland Islands, you name it. But nobody talks about these.
3: No, I'm not. I'm not familiar with them, Rob. I, I thought you were talking about. I've had photographs. I don't know. if yeah. I might have taken it out of the slide presentation where it shows uh, one of our uh, World War II. Tour- Two planes and there's a small disc uh, off it that they called a uh, a foo craft or well, something like l- that. Well, let me just
1: let me just give a little bit of history before we get back to talking about your book. By the way, I, I always keep my copy of uh, the UFO spacecraft identification manual, over 50 UFO spacecraft illustrations, various sighting reports and experiences by you, David Campion, right here on my desk. Um, there, here, this is the overview. Okay, this is the short braised version. From late 1944 to the 1945 era, the Japanese launched over 9,300 fire balloons, or Fugos, of which 300 were found or observed in the United States of America. Despite the high hopes of their designers, the balloons were ineffective as weapons, causing only six deaths. Now, six deaths, okay? Uh, This this was just from one single incident. The Japanese designed two types of balloons. The first was called Type B balloon, which was designed by the Japanese Navy. It was uh, 30 feet in diameter and consisted of rubberized silk. The Type B balloon was first sent and first used mainly for uh, meteorological purposes. The Japanese used them to determine the possibility of carrying bombs reaching North America. The second type was the bomb carrying balloon. Japanese bomb carrying balloons were 33 feet in diameter and when fully inflated held about 19,000 cubic feet of hydrogen. Their launch sites were located on the east coast of the mainland Japan near the island of Hoshu. Japanese uh, Japan released the first of these bomb uh, bearing b- balloons on November the 3rd, 1944. Hmm. They were found in Alaska. Arizona, California, Colorado, Idaho, Iowa, Kansas, Michigan, Montana, Nebraska, Nevada, North Dakota, Oregon, South Dakota, Texas, Utah, Washington, and Wyoming, as well as Mexico and Canada. One of the general uh, in the Japanese army launched over 9,000 balloons throughout the course of the project. The Japanese expected 10% or around 900 of them to reach North America, which is also what is currently believed by researchers. About 300 balloons were found or observed in America. It is likely more than... Uh, the mo- oh, Wait a sec here. It is, it is likely that more balloons landed in unpopulated areas of North America. Now, let's go back to Roswell, New Mexico, 1945. You've got this crash debris. Remember the, the parts that had strange writing on it?
3: Yeah, right, right. I've seen the photo. Okay.
1: Yes. And and how, when you folded the material, it would bounce back?
3: Yeah, it was almost like an a aluminum foil type thing, but it wasn't because it, re- it, re- it returned.
1: Right. So, imagine taking rubber, mm. And crumbling it in your hand and letting it go, what happens?
3: Yeah. It's, it's, it's I, th- I see what, I,
1: what I've always thought from day one, what I have always thought, that what Roswell, New Mexico was, was actually a fugo that was discovered. Huh. Uh, and of course the government would not say what it was, because how do they explain to... Like, the, the information that I've just read to you and, and to the listening audience about Fugos is well-documented. It's not a conspiracy. It's not a cover-up, but nobody talks about it. Yeah,
3: I'm never, not familiar with that at all. Probably. Exactly. So, yeah.
1: you know, is it possible that this is what it was? I don't know. I'm just saying I find it rather strange and rather... Uh, what's the right word here?
3: Strange, strange, and unusual,
1: <laughs> and unusual that yeah, I, this. Cri- I don't know.
3: I don't know. I kind of, yeah. I kind of think that uh, the, the actual Roswell thing was was a an actual spacecraft because of the um, the experiments that we were doing in 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 Mexico and of the uh, with the with the different uh, with the hydrogen bombs, I guess. And, uh,
1: okay, let me yeah. ask you this. Let me ask you this.
3: Yeah.
1: Okay, I agree that. Because of what had happened through Roswell, New Mexico, that it would make a very interesting area for extraterrestrials to want to see what the heck was going on and what kind of mess we were getting ourselves into. Right, right. But when Jesse Marcel, the base intelligence officer, is yeah. dispatched to go to the Brazil farm, collect the material, and bring it back to the base, what does this guy do? instead of going right back to the base with the evidence, he brings it to his house and wakes up <laughs> his wife and kids and lets them see it and play with it that's right
3: I remember now you remember?
1: you see now I'm just wondering if he said, "Look what the Japanese have done look what I found in the field
3: look yeah, yeah but the yeah but the I, if I recall uh some of the photographs that I have seen through black and white of of the uh, images that were on some of that metal—it mm-hmm. didn't look like Japanese to me.
1: All right, now here's my question to you: yeah. If I—I I, I, by the way, I highly respect your opinion of photographs based on your knowledge and your experience, and I, this never comes into question, my friend. Mm-hmm. But the photographs that are shown—could they have been exchanged with something else so that? those people who could tell Japanese writing would know that this was Japan and once again causing a panic. Like like the people gave their own gave the government a beautiful cover story. It's a UFO. Hey, yeah, there you go. We don't need a cover story anymore
3: That's right. no? But anyway, well,
1: yeah I'm, 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 I'm gonna send you some more information on this. In fact, I'm going to put it in this uh, in the okay. June edition of the X Chronicles newspaper. On the back of your on the back of your book, which I really love, by the way, How to Contact UFO Spacecraft for Information and Knowledge, UFO Spacecraft Identification Manual, over 50 UFO spacecraft illustrations and various sighting reports and experiences by you, my friend. On the back, in in 2014, a scientist discovered a way to harness sun energy into a vacuum box. Their theory is to learn how to apply this energy to a spacecraft. They would be able to achieve speeds up to 660 million miles per hour. Just think of the possibilities of our solar system travels and way beyond. Unfortunately, the scientists say it will be about 100 years before it can actually happen. Lunch or Jupiter?
3: I mean, you'd be there in an hour,
1: Jupiter. Exactly, (laughs) exactly.
3: Lunch, I mean, just think of the economic possibilities here, the... the, uh, the billionaire should be on the business people should yeah. be on top of this but you know what
1: you did my friend and i don't and and i really don't believe that you meant to do this but what i when i read this it's like wait a sec if this is true and i don't doubt you david what about the claims of reverse engineering why would we have to wait a 100 years to utilize some technology like this if There is a UFO in some hangar somewhere in the world that has been reversed engineered. And if the aliens are actually working with us, wouldn't they be able to tell us the technology that is required to use this? Why are we still using solid rocket fuel? Why does it take so long to get to Mars? Why are we going back to the moon if we have this technology? So my friend, you just added gas onto a fire.
3: I have no idea why. I just think it's. I just think it's an economic thing, Rob.
1: I agree. I yeah. agree.
3: It's all about money, slavery, uh. Uh, control. Control of the, uh, the world people. Mm-hmm. Control of the people, and only for a certain uh, segment of society will ever be able to uh, enjoy these these riches or travels through the uh, through the through our solar system and beyond. And of course i don't think i'll be around well maybe i will i don't know i hope you are
1: what's that i said i hope you are (laughs)
3: yeah i don't know i don't know if i want to see all these crazy people i get tired of them (laughs) you know these you know these media well you know as you know the media and everything it's just it's just insane what goes on but um yeah but it was just like the poor the poor man but i tell people of uh well he's not poor well he's passed on mr paul villa who uh oh yeah my, my dad uh michael campioni and him, he corresponded he was from around albuquerque New mexico and he photographed various craft over his time and uh and he was he just said you know you people are crazy why are you contacting me and you we know, always hear the voices and everything but he did, he made the most incredible daylight stuff, which stayed on push up, and I'm still seeing on the internet TV and in the It's the same old crap. It's a it's a late time. It's a, it's at night. And there's a stupid light, and every nobody knows what it is going through. When I have and mm-hmm. even. Uh, I guess I will say Billy Meyer has real photographs of, of these craft that are out there, and uh, they just they just don't want to deal with it. I don't know. I don't. I think it's control, Rob. I personally do. I think it's a controlling factor on the people.
1: Why do you think the the ETs have chosen Billy Meyer?
3: I uh, that I have no idea. No, I have no clue about uh, why he chose him. I mean, he could maybe he's from there. I mean, maybe it was from there originally, or from wherever they're from, mm-hmm. uh, these people. I mean, some of the craft that I've seen, that some. Uh, I was told that one was from Alpha Centauri. Now, you know, I, I had to look up, I, what do I know about Alpha Centauri? I don't know. Uh, some of the other craft, I have no idea where they're from, because nobody's ever said, I mean, if they do, now I don't need people telling me that what, you, what you've seen is from somewhere else. I don't True. need that. I've been around this too long, and... Uh, There's just so much going on. But when you see actual documented photographic evidence and I uh, in my manual well the front cover of the manual, it's uh, Paul Villas with the ones from Como Bernices. Now just think of this, Rob. They're like four this particular craft and the people that he visited with or met with from came from Como Bernices, which is a another spiral galaxy. I don't know which planet they you're talking 450 million light years. I mean, that's, you know, that's beyond Star Trek stuff. I mean, that's phenomenal. And he has photographs, but there's not this mm-hmm. one. And uh, I'm coming out with a new series. I just got the uh, the images uh, put on a disc and everything. I'm not a series, but a, a book with all of the uh, color photographs that I have in daytime with the flying saucers the flying saucers, from Como, Bernice's, and a few other ones that I have that are actual daylight. not of this nighttime stuff, because that's, I just don't go for it.
1: What is your, t- what is your take on the uh, Phoenix lights?
3: Yeah, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I've read about it and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen, you know, I've seen the pros and cons from the from the UFO community and saying there's definitely uh, something there and then you see from the government side saying well some guy with Piper Cub pulling pulling lights well give me a break you know how hard it is to take a plane up at night with lights you know it's just kind of bizarre uh, I don't know there's I think there's more important uh, things out there than just the Phoenix lights and they just Focus on that because they don't want people focusing on the real, the real craft that are out there. Hey,
1: David, we've got to take our final break. Please stand by. Great talking to you, my friend Exxon Nation. David Campion is our special guest. www.spaciouskyg.com. My name is Rob McConnell. This is the Exxon. We'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away.
2: Style deal because I want a bite of your Big Mac and I need some of your quarter pound. I'll try your fillet fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. Great news! For a limited time, you can get one month free of Spectrum Mobile service. That's right, one month free with any new line. This exclusive offer is only available at select Spectrum stores. So stop by today.
1: back one and all david campione is our special guest this hour www.spacioussky.com now he has ufo merchandise that's available on his website at spacioussky.com and it's also available on amazon.com by the way, David has received the EBE Award at Las Vegas, Nevada UFO Convention for the best UFO documentary for under one hour. And, um, you know, congratulations, Dave, on all that you've done, your accomplishments, and we look forward to seeing many more from you, my friend, so don't plan on leaving us yet.
3: <laughs> no, I don't plan on it. In fact, i like I said, I'm working on it, uh, uh, on a new, a new book, and, mm-hmm. uh, I, I hope to get it done this summer, but, yeah, well, you know, time constraints with sure. everything, you know, it takes time. and uh, But uh, I appreciate being on here, Rob, and allowing some information out and um, talking with you because uh, we made connections many years ago.
1: Yes, we have, yeah.
3: I don't know how long ago it was, but it was a long time.
1: Well, it has to be at least 18, 19 years.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah it could be, yeah. And uh, a, a lot, of, a lot has happened, and a lot has not happened. And uh, it's, you know, I'm, I'm just hoping that things, uh, you, you know, you just keep hoping that things are going to get better and better. But everything mm-hmm. you see is going, getting worse and worse. And uh, it's, uh, it's, it's hard to, for people to keep positive attitudes with what goes on. It's just amazing. They just get a little carrot, you know, <laughs> take a bite. and... <laughs> All the rest from
1: them. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's, that's the way it's been from day one, my friend. Yeah, um, what do you think it'll take before the UFO phenomenon is realized as being something that is real, not just made up in the minds of those people in the back of a pickup truck with a big gallon jug of Jack Daniels?
3: <laughs> I, I think it's going to be one of these uh, uh, new guys like the... Uh, uh, oh, God, what's that car that they... Uh, uh, you know, one, one of these car designers, these, mm-hmm. these people who design the younger generation that's coming up, not the main, not the main people, not the big General Motors and Ford people, but the smaller, smaller car people, because they keep getting into things. Even uh, Richard Branson gets into a lot of things, and yeah, you, you just don't it know. I just, I just hope he's young enough and uh, is able to hang on there for a while to, uh, to you know to get more information out there. It's. And,
1: it's going to be very interesting to see what happens this summer, David, with uh, Independence Day resurgence coming out in June.
3: Oh, is that right? I didn't know that.
1: Yeah. So <laughs> here we're going to have Independence Day 2 resurgence, and apparently the the invasion of Earth is by aliens that are rather large compared to the ones that they dealt with the last time. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, it'll, it'll be good to see because usually one... When there is a UFO movie or one of these movies that Hollywood comes out with, sightings go up, alien abductions go up.
3: Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Creates a lot of good media coverage, advertisements. It's great for the economy for this particular aspect of it. It's
1: almost as good as the presidential debates and the presidential race that you folks are having in the United States. By the wall, if Donald Trump wins the election, we're going to build a wall and send him the bill. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Oh, <laughs> oh, Are you moving to the to our southern border?
1: <laughs> no, I'm in Canada. Canada's going to build a wall. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm only kidding. Listen, David. As yes, always, it's great talking to you, my friend. Let our listeners know where they can find out more about you and where they can get your wonderful products.
3: Uh you just uh go to Amazon and uh get the uh the UFO spacecraft identification manual. It, it gives you information in there to to contact uh a craft uh, uh as a doctor I know in, in Gainesville, Florida who actually Used it with his kids recently, and, uh, and I'm trying to find out. The uh, next time I see him, I'm going to ask him how he, uh, what their experiences were on it. And I'm also I'm on Facebook, but I don't use uh, use that too much for the UFO. But you can still contact me, David Campioni up on Facebook.
1: All right, David. Thanks very much for joining us. Take care of yourself, my good friend, and stay out of trouble.
3: Absolutely, Rob. Bye-bye now.
1: Bye-bye. EXO Nation, I'll be back on the other side of this break as we continue right here from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada.
2: Great news. For a limited time, you can get one month free of Spectrum Mobile service. That's right. One month free with any new line. This exclusive offer is only available at select Spectrum stores. So stop by today. Our team of mobile experts are ready to help you switch and save hundreds on your mobile bill. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. Come see us at Market at Hilliard, Taylor Square, and Waterloo Crossing. Spectrum internet and auto pay required. Restrictions apply. Visit store for details.